Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 185th week of the Lunch Pell Guys podcast. I'm your host, Aiden, today, joined by everybody. We got Lucas, Jared, Bart, and Wyatt. Uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of NBA stuff, um, but there's a few things that we're not going to talk about in detail from the NBA, including that Mike Malone uh, was still taking shots at the Lakers. He joked about retiring um, in an interview with, what was it, with, uh, what's his name, Pat? Um, so still, still going yeah. after LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, he, it almost yeah. has the energy of like the, the, I don't even think about you. Like, I don't know how much the Lakers even care about this. At this also, point. I didn't like, like, I watched the clip of it and I just didn't think it was that it felt forced. He like brought it up just like kind of out of nowhere. He's the and, only one talking about the Lakers. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. when can we get some recognition? Exactly. And then he brings up the Lakers and it's like, shut up. It's like, just, this is on you, let, buddy. Yeah, I mean, like, he keeps bringing it up about how, and like, now they're tied together forever. He's the only yeah. one bringing it up. And for a guy who hates the conversation around the Lakers, he loves to talk about the Lakers. Give it he a does. rest, man. <laughs> You want a championship? Like, get over it. That's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like it's been a couple weeks. So yeah, it's like, dude, you are married with kids. Like, t- stop talking about the ex girlfriend. Nobody cares anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, Mike Malone having his five minutes, or you know, well, we'll see if the Nuggets repeat and he has another five minutes next year. Um, but anyway, we have that Jaw was suspended for twenty five games for reckless behavior. Is that what it was titled? Reckless behavior with a gun or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably Wyatt, conduct detri- yeah. detrimental to the league type yeah, of yeah, suspension. Exactly. Well, yeah. This wasn't a segment, so I didn't really like funnel my thoughts into one fluid mm-hmm. take here. Um, I just I don't like a lot of the stuff coming from his camp about like, you know, he oh he apologized and then all of a sudden it actually was a toy gun, which I think is dumber that he would even have a toy gun on him <laughs> in the first place. And then they're like, you know, maybe the NBA is out to get him. They don't have any proof. Blah blah blah. And it's like, do you just give it like he's in, he's in a position now where I'm and this is harsh. I don't believe in him anymore. I don't believe that he is taking things seriously, that he will break this streak because everything else that comes out around him is unserious. And whether or not like I know that the term the term camp gets used for, uh, for every pro player a lot. Like LeBron has had a camp for a long time where it's some sort of ambiguous group between Rich Paul and Maverick Carter. But, you know, for like the, to say that, Oh, John Morant's camp and he has a group of guys out there who are putting things out. It just feels very unserious because I also feel like his camp kind of got him in trouble in the first place. And mm-hmm. until there is, you know, uh, 365 days without an incident type situation, I think we're all going to be looking for him to screw up again, which is, Again, which is super harsh yeah. for a young player who I know that didn't necessarily break the law. Is just very reckless with his approach to guns and the context in which he displays them. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just like, I'm super put off by it. And if I were the Grizzlies, I would be too. 
Uh, and but twenty five games, to be honest, feels light for what the bubbling was. I thought he was going to be somewhere close to forty. Yeah. 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 Anyone who's talking about the NBA going after him <laughs> shouldn't be, based on how everyone was shocked by the, how low twenty five games was. Mm-hmm. The NBA is clearly not going after him. <laughs> yeah. This was like Adam Silver was throwing him a bone. Yeah. I agree, though, that I don't really have any faith at this point. It's been too many strikes in quick succession, and there's been yeah. no like attempt to distance himself from the people surrounding him. So. And Nick Wright had made this point. He has to take a stance where, like, it is not illegal for me to own a gun. You can't suspend me for it. Or, mm-hmm. like, I did nothing wrong. Or he is apologetic and he makes a change, but he's in the middle where he's like, his camp was like he did nothing wrong. He's like, I'm really sorry I did this, and then he just does it again. I don't really understand. <laughs> just dude, if if you want to keep doing it, lean on that. Like that's who you are, and your consequences are gonna have actions, but um, reactions gonna have consequences. But you know, it's pick pick the lane. You yeah. can't apologize and then do it again, because now I don't care. <laughs> I hadn't heard the toy gun thing yet. That's a that's a new, a new one. one. We're talking like Nerf gun or like. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. Her, that's the most black, very okay. realistic looking yeah. Nerf gun thing. <laughs> exactly. New model. <laughs> Things have changed since uh, our childhood. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they've really changed. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, in some lighter news, we got that Brandon Miller uh, projected to be the, the number two or three pick in uh, Thursday's draft said that Paul George was the GOAT. He was asked specifically whether it was MJ or LeBron, I think. And he said, and he went for the, the, the obvious third option that we're all thinking of. <laughs> Paul George. So. Paul George. Interesting take. I went to the, the tweet because I wanted to see the comments. And the first one, I think, perfectly encapsulates the response, <laughs> which is his draft stock should plummet for this. And that was my first thought, too. That's how bad of a take it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not even like he's like, no, it's Kareem. Like, it's like he just picked yeah. some yeah. random... Uh, yep semi-good player and it would be it'd be one thing if you said that like paul george was your favorite player you know what i mean yeah (laughs) that's understandable but i don't know does he really not want to be drafted by mj in his last days with the hornets is just trying to piss mj off if he wanted to piss mj off though i guess he would have just said lebron so i don't know yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like him saying Paul George. This <laughs> is chaotic. It's worse. Like, will Jordan, Jordan lose too yeah. much <laughs> But at that point, why wouldn't you just pick MJ? Like, if I had yeah. the chance to be the number two overall pick, I'd be is like, right? you Jordan just say is a hero of mine. You know? <laughs> it's, like, not hard. Uh, but anyway, on the topic of Paul George, our favorite player, uh, there are rumors that the Clippers mm-hmm. are trying to move him. Um, I'm not uh, privy to these. Like, do they say where he's being moved or where they're shopping him potentially no and i don't think they're like super substantial rumors either i just know they're like rumblings in lakers in like or not sorry lakers other la team clippers camp (laughs) um (laughs) that the Kawhi paul george era is coming to an end (laughs) if one of them is going to go it's going to be paul george so i don't know some some people have put out like you know potential landing spots for him i'm on an article now by fast break um <laughs> saying that he should go to the hawks the warriors or the knicks mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't think there's any real substantiated rumors yet but i know there are at least rumblings in camps yeah a lot of tears will be shed at the end of the 
Kawhi, Paul George era. Yeah, an just era. a prolific yeah. era of basketball I mean, right there. Pay your respects. Yeah, I, saw, <laughs> I saw a tweet that said that basically, I don't know why he hasn't gotten more, or that team hasn't gotten more crap. Well, I'll keep yeah. it PG. Uh, I'm trying to think of the correct word. Um, for just being making one Western Conference Finals yeah. in their entire run. And that should have done so much more based on the talent they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like they might have gotten more crap if they were better. You know, <laughs> like yeah, they're not right. even making it far enough in the playoffs to be relevant, to be part of those discussions when they're. Yeah, they're not relevant. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. And other potential trade news apparently, uh, there's a three team trade being worked out between the Wizards, Clippers, and Celtics that would send Kristaps to the Celtics, it would send Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. God knows who it would send to the Wizards. Um, but <laughs> What's the Wizards endgame? Yeah. Like, I have no I idea. <laughs> in, in our, it, it has to be like process era Sixers, right? There's no other option. Um, Who's going to uh, play Paul for them carry. next They would get Marcus Morris and draft compensation. So that's, <laughs> exactly. That's I mean, they're I rebuilding. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Who, who would their best player even be? Marcus Morris. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Yeah, Chris, Chris Paul, I guess. I don't. Yeah, Do they? He's still there. No, he's absolutely going to get waived. Yeah, yeah. And Chris At least Paul he should be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about that for the Celtics. Even, I think it's. I don't know. I don't trust Kristaps, but. No. no, I don't either. It's an it's an interesting fit. I think it is. I don't know. A lot of Sixers fans I've seen are happy about it because that's the Twitter circles I'm in because it means no more Al Horford guarding Embiid, who has been his kryptonite since 2017. But I don't really know. Oh, is Al Horford just... Does this just mean that they can't afford him? or? I think... Yeah. I mean, they, they both play center, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's just... If you trade for Kristaps, who's younger, I think it is a little bit of writing on the wall for yeah. Al Horford. Oh, Embiid would push around Kristaps. I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm pretty exactly. sure on that. Anyway. <laughs> Again, our last NBA news we missed, uh, Draymond Green declined his player option. I think the Warriors were saying that they're doing everything they can to get him back or something like that. Sure. Um, but I don't know how consequential this is. Yeah. It's going to be weird seeing him play for another team, though. Yeah. Because he is so iconically a warrior in my mind. But Yeah. There are a few players who are so linked to a team right now, I feel like, than Draymond. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much, like, the Warriors' core is who I the link Warriors with a specific core is the team. Only I... Yeah, because yeah, there's, like, so much player mobility. Those three guys, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, yep. are the only people that I feel like I really just associate with one team. Yep, yep. But... Yeah, and in our last news we missed, we're going to switch over to football, not NFL football, not college football. We're going to do <laughs> or amateur college football. Notre Dame is discontinuing inner hall tackle football. So big news for you uh, domers out there. Uh, Jared, as an, an ex-champion, correct? Yes, inner hall champion. football. Any, any thoughts on this? <laughs> yeah, champion, no big deal. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I'm glad I, I'm now I'm like very glad that I did it and had that experience. I mean, I'm sure they'll still have flag football in the stadium and everything, which is cool. Not the same, but yeah, I can say I scored a... A touchdown in tackle football in Notre Dame Stadium too, mm. and nobody, people from, from generations from now on will be like, what? You had tackle football? <laughs> <I'm just joking>. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. They won't believe you. Exactly. Yeah. 
Apparently, apparently, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, apparently, like attendance was declining, and like most people, it was their first time playing tackle football. And mm. I mean, let's be honest, we're not really like teaching fundament, just drilling in fundamentals on like form mm. tackling during those practices. In fact, we're, mm. I don't think we even tackled at all, to be honest, because nobody's like trying to tackle there in practice. So that's probably not a good thing <laughs> if, if like over half, yeah. it's like almost half the people's people playing is their first yeah. time playing tackle football. It's probably, probably not the safest. That's funny. Yeah. I think there are always injuries too when it happens. So uh, right, you're down to like 13 people at the end of the year and you're, you're everybody's playing both. Sides. <laughs> <laughs> not actually 13, but probably like you start with like, I don't know, like 28 and you probably get down to like yeah. 19 or something. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Bart, did you play ever? Nope. No. No. I spectated. Talked a, no. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You talked a big game about coaching Bart and Lucas. And that never yeah. came to fruition. That never so, happened. Yeah. I do remember. Don't mean to take a shot here, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Put me in now with with many years more experience. Returning to Notre Dame to coach inner hall football <laughs> on the Morrissey's Instagram, the big announcement. That... <laughs> Wait, can go back I, for I one last news we missed too. Yeah. Before we we can move on. Yeah, go for it. So there's has anybody watched? It's been very big news in Philadelphia. I don't know how much it's permeated outside. So I ninety five, the big road that connects the entire East Coast, collapsed mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. recently, yep. and there's been a live feed that's been a huge deal. <laughs> that they've been showing it in bars. They showed it at the Phillies game well, the other night. So I don't know if that has permeated into the ecosystem of the rest of the country, but it's been a huge thing. It's just like a live feed of all the construction workers rebuilding it and it's it's gonna open again next week they fix it in like two weeks which is that's yeah. impressive nothing short of a miracle yeah. yeah yeah for listeners wondering lucas is at the site right now he's reporting I from, from i-95 right now <laughs> yeah that's really funny <laughs> yeah the governor is getting rave reviews he's only been governor for like three months and people are like wow <laughs> doing great work out here <laughs> uh-huh. a lot of potential that's impressive. if i lived near this i would absolutely just like go find my way into the top corner of the live cam and just start doing some <laughs> freaky stuff <laughs> i don't know what, but like what's stopping you i mean i guess probably construction cones but <laughs> yeah no it's funny the laws um... threats of prosecution bart i don't know <laughs> the law can't stop <laughs> freaky stuff i don't, I don't know <laughs> it's funny yeah whatever company they contracted to do the construction like saw this as a huge marketing opportunity so if you watch now there are like eight signs for the construction company that have been set up on that's the smart. live feed too yeah that's smart. it is <laughs> so but yeah. good content it's rude of you to bring that up, Lucas, during news we missed when we had a whole segment planned for later on. Planned, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I ruined <laughs> it. Well, so I, you screwed I, well, that up. It's yeah. supposed to be open next week, so yeah. we'll we'll stay post, keep posted on whether yeah. we can drive. <laughs> okay, so we are now 14 minutes into the episode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about um, road construction. <laughs> we're going to move on to our first real topic. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Hornets that we, we briefly covered in, in the news we missed. Um, there's a lot going on in Charlotte right now. They're about to be sold. Um, MJ was the majority owner. He's, I think, on July 1st will no longer be. Um, and then they've got the, the second pick in this week's draft. So if they keep the pick, it sounds like it's going to be either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. Um, or it's still possible that they could trade it. So Wyatt, what's the best move for the Hornets here? 
the best move is for the Hornets to trade the number two pick for Zion Williamson if that's still an option. Right now, Zion what? is seriously a flawed player who, in my opinion, leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to his like level of commitment and preparation towards the game of basketball. But when he's on the court, he's a phenomenal basketball player. As far as fit goes, could you imagine a, a court that has both LaMelo Ball, an incredible passer, and Zion Williamson? It's a match made in heaven. Um, and, and this Hornets team, who has not been able to compete at the highest level, uh, would have a serious chance if Zion were available to jumpstart a new era of Hornets basketball, not only with a new owner, but with a, a serious influx of talent uh, <clears throat> you know, after LaMelo La Ball. They also have some tradable rotational pieces like Terry Rozier, who might be valuable to a contender looking to add some veteran presence in their backcourt. I mean, he's still a really good scorer, uh, and he's basically – he took the opportunity – in Charlotte to become the guy or one of the guys to be a key part of an up and coming franchise. And then ever since nothing has really come of it. So he, he, he has some value there still as well. But ultimately I actually think it's dependent on whether or not the Hornets are looking to build around LaMelo ball and find players that fit well with him. Or if they're trying to find a player who's better than LaMelo ball that he fits well next to. It kind of sounds like the same thing. I think adding Zion, mm-hmm. though, it's the latter, that he would Zion would become the best player on that team, and LaMelo Ball would compliment him entirely. I don't know if drafting Scoot, who uh, mm-hmm. is a better player than Brandon Miller, he doesn't really fit on the court with LaMelo, in my opinion, and I think that, that would there's no room for them to both be on the team at the same time. Brandon Miller is a fantastic volume shooter who uh, would fit really well next to LaMelo as a nice tandem, who, again, LaMelo is a fantastic passer, but uh, it, it would still be LaMelo would be the best player on the on the floor uh, for the Hornets. Brandon Miller would be number two. I think with Scoot, it flips the script, and if now if Scoot Henderson is the best player on your team, where does LaMelo Ball fit into that? He, he, he probably doesn't. So... It just kind of really depends on what direction they're trying to go to. If all options are on the table, I've taken the very first one that I said, and I'm trying to add Zion onto that team who was available or ever slightly is available, and this is the most draft capital the Hornets are going to have and probably the least valuable Zion's going to be, barring serious career-ending, career-limiting injury. So I feel like at this point, though, the number two overall pick is is kind of steep. I would say for Zion, I don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't be willing to do that trade if I'm the Hornets. You mean a one for one kind of swap? Yeah, I want to I want to do that. There's so much potential in the other draft picks too. And Zion Zion is a unique yes. talent, but he's not like I don't think he's that generational talent. Either. No, I think his ceiling is way higher than anybody else's could be in the draft outside mm-hmm. of Wimbenyama. And, I, and, I, and the Hornets have been bad for, what, 20, our, our entire life, so, but so, I guess 20-plus 20, 20 years, that they need the high-end ceiling. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? They're drafting number two again? You know, like, it, they're going to have to go for a player who, ceiling-wise, is one of the five to ten best players in the league. I think that they, part of me almost thinks they should take none of the routes you described and draft scoot 
and then just sort of trade Lamelo and and build around Scoot because I think he Scoot at least has a way higher ceiling than Lamelo. I think a little bit of his transcendent talent is getting overshadowed because Wimbenyama is you know the best prospect ever. Um, but in any other year, he's a clear cut number one pick. I think he is very good at what he does, and it just feels like such a waste to pick Brandon Miller there. He doesn't feel like a guy he feels like the guy who's gonna be the bust in the class and i can say that for no other reason than just vibes (laughs) but to me i it feels like one of those situations where you're out thinking yourself you're thinking about fit too much when fit isn't really important for the hornets if you have the number two overall pick it's things just aren't working you need to take a big swing um and to me doing that would be taking scoot with the number two overall pick regardless of the fit with lamello maybe you try and make it work for a year and if it doesn't work, you ship Lamelo out for something. The the way I've seen it described is that the Hornets are not good enough to care about fit yet. Like they should just be taking the best player. Period. And I agree that that's Scoot. I think also I don't think I think it's overblown saying that they Scoot and Lamelo wouldn't fit together because like Scoot is like the much more physical player. Lamelo is like a much more finesse guy. Lamelo obviously needs the ball in his hands, but he distributes well. Scoot can shoot from the mid range. He's got a good cutter. Like they're not like they're not completely incompatible together, even though they are both ball handlers. I also think of like CJ and Dame were both really mm-hmm. ball dominant guards in Portland, and that seemed to work out okay. Well, did it? I don't know. I don't think. I, well, I mean, they never won Western anything, Conference but like finals, they were really baby. good together. They ran into the world. Their yeah, fault that, that the roster building was subpar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't, and I think that could be a good model of what it looks like going forward, Bart. I mean, even that is much better than what has ever happened in Charlotte. <laughs> I when when I like when I described the uh, you know the best or the worst franchises we did a couple weeks ago, they were on the list, and I think with fairly good reason. So I don't know if. Even if your ceiling's the Western Conference Finals, that's certain, or the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess in their case, it's a significantly better outcome than anything they've ever had. Yeah, look, Why, it, it, yeah, it's what I it's what I was saying that it, it dependent on whether or not they think Lamelo Ball is worth being their best player. And Lucas, you may not think he has room to go. The Hornets might, and they might decide to use that as a factor. I agree that they shouldn't necessarily be overthinking it in trying to find fit because they're obviously not good enough to really think that way. But I do understand in a way the mindset of perfect fit like LeBron James and Anthony Davis who won a championship, like Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray who just won a championship, kind of like Drew Holiday in a way, uh, and Giannis who won, have won a championship, Stephen Clay who fit really well next to, to each other, Draymond Green as well. Um, they all fit together and they were all homegrown drafted talents that maybe it is important to add a level of fit to high talented players to see if that there is an opportunity for them to blossom into a dynamic duo. Uh, It's just what, what has been one of the worst front offices in basketball for years. What do they think is the best choice of their future, and is it Lamelo Ball forward or is it not? Because if it's not, I would draft Scoot and tell Lamelo Ball to figure it out. If it is, you have to get Brandon Miller or something like that, or maybe trade it for Zion. I just feel like you could take Scoot, and if he turns out being better, which I think he probably will be, 
then that's okay, right? If he's not, then that's okay too. I feel like there's not really a like I'm not sure it's worth pigeonholing on the like is Lamelo going to be the centerpiece or not? He should be a good complimentary player, right? Lamelo, that's kind of his I feel like his calling card is that he is good at distributing and whatnot. Yeah. And so regardless of what happens with Scoot, I feel like it should be okay for Lamelo. If he's not okay not being the superstar for them, then I don't know, I guess that's Lamelo's problem, but I suppose. I think just the option of, well, we'll just draft them both and trade one later. If you're doing that, then you're just going to trade either one, regardless of who it is, pennies on the dollar for LaMelo Ball or Scoot Henderson. If you, if Scoot ends up not being better than LaMelo, oh, we'll just trade him for something else. It'll be pennies on the dollar. Or, you know, we need to, we're, we're resetting our franchise once again. Let's get rid of LaMelo Ball. I don't think that there's going to be a big return on that. Whereas vice versa, if, you know, you, you might want to, just chance for something to blossom in house is all you don't you don't think lamella would get a big return at the moment like say scoot is better and they end up in this situation i mean what what would be a big return for a player of that caliber maybe one first round draft pick i feel like they'd get more than that i don't for a young guy who they don't like teams at this point you've seen all these teams that are like can't afford guys at this point like the the Suns, for example <laughs> or teams that just like they're dealing with super maxes or, or guys late in their career Lamelo's what three years in, like yeah. I mean, he may not get a max contract, but I think when you trade for a player, you almost set the precedence that you are going to re-sign them to at least a significant mm-hmm. payday that you find that they're valuable. And if you don't, then you're the Blazers who trade a first-round <laughs> pick for Larry Nance Jr. and then send him away in another trade package, Oof. or you know, you trade a first-round pick here for uh, Jeremy Grant, and then all of a sudden, like he may not be on the team the next year. And then you've just made these non zero equally zero moves uh, over and over and over again, or they trade for LaMelo ball. He says, I want a hundred million dollars. And they say, mm-hmm. okay, I guess we have to, I mean, Lonzo kind of got something similar to, I don't know what he got, but he got like what three years, like 75. This is guess off the top of my head. More like, than you would more think. than, yeah, more yeah. than you would think. Oh, that's fair. Wyatt, what do you think um, for the for the potential Zion trade? What do you think is a fair offer from the Pelicans for that? Like, is it just a number two pick for Zion? Yeah. Are we talking more? Well, yeah. I think, I mean, if you think about it as scoot for Zion straight up, I think that that would be fair. Because, like I said, Zion, this is the cheapest Zion is going to be for a guy who hasn't played any amount of significant basketball in his career, has showed – a handful of fantastic flashes of high level play. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he just had a 70 game season. I mean, he's playing 30 games a year <laughs> and to say like, okay, it's scoot Henderson who could be a phenomenal guard who would probably play a handful of games or for a 30 game per year guy. I think that that's a fair way to, to think about it. It's not necessarily, ceiling Zion for ceiling Scoot because I think the seal the floor is so low, like below the house low that it's gotta be scary for a team to to trade away promise like that. Yeah. I just feel like if you're trading for Zion in this scenario, 
you're like if it's the 30 games Zion, that is obviously a loss right like you are you're hoping that there's a turnaround yeah. in the health yeah, and conditioning and whatnot. Super like that's what you're preying reward, on but yeah um but yeah does anyone have other t- like the the hornets here this is a pretty pivotal moment right now they have the number two pick this could determine their future to some degree are there other teams in this draft that we think have a chance to kind of shape their future outside of the the obvious the spurs i think the blazers too i think the blazers yeah oh, yeah yeah, hey, yeah. Good thought. Well, i mean we'll talk about it <laughs> if, later on maybe. Falls, yeah though. like if, if they get scoot for example yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. i also think the well, the Rockets, for one, just because they have a bunch of young talent and with the potential, like, oh, James Harden wants to go there if they got another, you know, stud in this draft. And then the Magic also came to mind just because the Paolo and Franz Wagner duo is very intriguing. And if they can get a third key cog in that trio, they are going to be ferocious in a few years. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Paolo and Wagner already look really good. And yep. They're young and good. So we'll see. Yeah. When do, what picks the Magic have in this draft? Yeah, they have 6 and 11, so they could trade up even. Oh, yeah. I've seen rumors that they want Scoot or that they might trade up for him if he falls to 3. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like if, if he does fall to 3, which it kind of seems like he will, the trade offers will, like, the phone will be ringing for the Blazers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. The Blazers would be moronic to tr- do anything but draft Scoot Henderson in that situation. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But Dame doesn't want to. Doesn't rookies. mean they won't try. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay, moving into our, our next topic. The big NBA news of the week was that Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns for a package that included the aforementioned Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, several second round picks, and a pick swap. So, very exciting package there. Um, Lucas. What are your takeaways from this? Uh, so I said it earlier in the show, but I'll, I'll lead with this in that I don't know what the Warriors, not the Warriors, the Wizards' end game is here. It it seems like they're going full into the rebuild, but not even just like a standard rebuild, but a Sixers process level rebuild. They are gutting the roster of any talent. Um, with the rumors that Kristaps is going to leave too, who does that leave? Kyle Kuzma? But he's a free agent, right? He is opted out. Uh, he's since opted out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have nobody at this point. It's going to be a team totally and completely devoid of talent, which I guess is at least a choice after sort of sort of waiting in me- mediocrity since John Wall left. Because mm-hmm. there were some years of hope there when Wall and Beal you know, made it to the playoffs, won a series or so, um, but... Yeah, I mean, they're closing the book on that era, and they're just going full in on the rebuild. But maybe the options for them were limited because Beal had that no-trade clause, so there were only so many places they could send him. But I can't imagine Miami didn't give them a better offer or somebody else didn't give them a better offer that Beal would have taken because Chris Paul, who you're going to waive probably, plus some second-rounders and Landry Shamit, who is you know a decent shooter, is basically trading away a guy who is an excellent second option for nothing. I mean, I know the contract's bad. They had to get something off the books, but they traded him for nothing. So, yeah, from the Wizards' standpoint, I don't get it. I think it just shows they're sort of like waving the white flag, going full in on the rebuild, just giving up on this era. 
From the Suns' perspective, I don't know if I love it either, but I think the jury is more so out on the move. I think the era of super teams is kind of over, as the last five years have shown us. We've had five different NBA Finals winners in the last five years, none of whom I would really say are, are super teams. Maybe the Warriors come the closest, but I don't know. Teams that are athletic, have depth, and are built around one star, the ones that seem to be winning in this era. And so from the Suns' perspective, a move that even further guts your depth doesn't feel great to me. But Beal was best when he was a number two option to Wall. So him being maybe a number three option potentially frees him up to do a lot here without the pressure on him. The team is going to have to play really small. Um, they do not have a lot of height. Uh, Booker or Beal will probably have to play the three or one of these guys will have to shift to point guard, which is neither of their natural positions. So there's a lot of, there's a few weird fit things that probably aren't a huge deal, but every little thing makes a difference. Um, and Durant keeps getting hurt. He's getting older. And they just have no future. All their picks are gone. They have no cap space, especially because they probably won't be able to trade Beal because he still has a no-trade clause in his contract. So it feels like it has to be this year for Phoenix or else it's all just going to fall apart. And even this year, I'm not super optimistic. They don't have anybody outside of those three guys, really. I don't know whether Aiton's going to be around after this year or next, but I think it's like a – I don't know. It could be anywhere from like an A to an F move for the Suns based on how this year turns out. But I think it's an F move for the Wizards. Um, so, I don't know. It's a weird trade. It feels like the Wizards could have gotten better. It feels like the Suns really leaned all into the this is like win now mode because they have no future three or four years down the line aside from Devin Booker. So, yeah. it's It's a weird trade is how I would describe it. So I just want to – one thing you didn't mention at all is the fact that the Wizards fired their GM, and this is a new GM regime yes. a month ago. Uh-huh. So yeah. with that in mind, I feel like it's a lot less of an F for the Wizards, and I completely understand that they just wanted to get rid of this $200 million contract that Beal is absolutely not worth. And mm-hmm. I, I think also we're, you're, you skirted over the, the no-trade clause a little too much because like everybody wants to talk about, oh, the Heat must have given them a better deal. Like They were ridiculous not to take a better deal. But we have no idea whether Beal wanted it or not. And he surely didn't, and that's why they went with this. I don't understand why they wouldn't have done it otherwise. But I think it's fair to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they had no choice. And in the context of they wanted to clear the books and they had no choice, I don't think it's an F. I think it's a reasonable way to try to start a rebuild. I don't know. I'm not as low on that trade from the Wizards' perspective as a lot of people seem to be. Also, the thing with the Heat is... I don't even know if they made an offer. They were, I, I, what I read is they were hesitant to make an offer because it would have put them in the second tax apron, which is a new thing in the new CBA. Mm-hmm. And it has like very mm-hmm. severe penalties, essentially like affecting draft picks. You can't be get, can't sign players in the buyout market. It like limits mm-hmm. like mid-level exceptions, all this crap and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think like Beal's worth that. Like, yeah, like you said, Bart, he's just super, super expensive and definitely not even close to worth as much as what he's making. Yeah. I think for the Heat, though, to make a trade, I know that being the second apron is tough, to make a trade that may include Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry to then, you know, like they do, they clearly do what teams in the second apron are going to have to do, which is sign undrafted players and make them really good rotational players, which 
the Miami Heat clearly did because they made the finals for it. For a team that was in the finals, it doesn't make any sense for Miami to be like, well, we don't want to pay that second-level apron because they no, were that close. So to sense. get rid of Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero, Hero, who didn't play at all, I think they should have made a move like that. <clears throat> Here's what teams in the second uh, apron of the mid-level exception uh, can't do. Or Sorry, teams in the second apron will have no mid-level exceptions. Um, you cannot use cash in trades. You cannot trade more money that is sent out. You will pay a higher tax rate uh, for teams in the repeater penalty, penalty doubles, two for $1 additional tax, more of an owner thing. Um, you cannot send out draft picks seven years in the future. So the Suns couldn't even send out a like 2030, 2031 draft pick to maybe add some more players onto this. Um, da, da, da. And then they get pushed to the end of the first round in the year in question, regardless of where the team might finish. Um, so they, I mean, like they're basically handicapped. The Suns are handicapped entirely on any sort of roster additions they can make. The team that they have going into the season is the team that they're going to have for the entirety of the year. And I I do have some problems with that. I think in a vacuum, it makes sense. There's no better return they could have got for Chris Paul than Bradley Beal, I think. I, I, when, like what, mm-hmm. I know that there's some criticism that they may have gotten some rotational pieces out there. In a vacuum, Bradley Beal is clearly a better player than Chris Paul. Uh, and it only costs them half of a sandwich and their bag of chips. Basically. Um, the, the problem with it entirely is one Lucas said like you have to go small and there's create some weird shifts, tons of redundancies and skill set between the guys. Bradley Beal is not a fantastic three point shooter. So you can't ask him be like, you're the third guy in, you need to take a step back, become a catch and shoot, uh, catch and shoot type shooter. Because he was not very good from three-point last year. Kevin Durant, who probably has the best skill set to do so, can take on that role. But you lose the high-end ceiling of Kevin Durant if you don't let him be a primary ball handler. If you don't let him create his own shot. If you turn him into a catch-and-shoot type shooter, uh, then you you may not necessarily get the best version of Kevin Durant. You may get a version that fits with the team. And all in all, they are also in a very similar spot as they were in last year, is that they don't really have any significant three-point shooters whatsoever. They all take a lot of pull-up jumpers. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant take the most in the league between them two. Bradley Bill is not far off of them. They all take a lot of shots within the arc, uh, two-point attempts. All three of them, I think, were, are within the top ten of that category when I was looking at it. I didn't necessarily count, but they were very high on that list. And when you get into a situation like this, let, let's say like the Miami Heat, uh, back when LeBron and Dwayne Wade joined, Chris Bosh became the dirty work guy. I'll get the rebounds. I'll do the outlet passes. I'll do this and that. I will take a step back from what it has been an all-star career up to that point to become a less volume uh, type shooter and or, or scorer, and I'll, and I'll become more of a putback guy. DeAndre Ayton is not going to be that guy. He has motor issues. He has motivation issues. He does not necessarily care about being a person who contributes to a winning team, in my opinion, from what I've seen. So if you're going to ask him, like, go out there, dude, and scrap for the loose balls, get a rebound, and then pass it off to Devin Booker or pass it off to Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant, just get my rebounds and guard the best, you know, the best big man on the floor. I don't think he's bought into that, and I think that this team is very, very similarly looped back into the same, like, insanity rotation. 
Yeah, some some people are saying the best thing that the Suns could do is trade Aiton for those three point shooters and, and then defensive guys. On the alternate side, they lose size, so it's like you run into Joker or Jokic again. Like, what what happens then? I mean, there you could find a rotational guy, but they also they're still going to be in the second level apron. So if they trade DeAndre Aiden, they can't necessarily go out there and add pieces. Like they can't just oh, we'll just sign another big man. They can't. They can't add anything else to this team outside of a DeAndre Aiden trade. So what is like the big for big trade that makes him a serious contender? But also like it, it's a very slim mm. amount of options out there. And they don't have any first round picks to trade after him. So that's not like they're no. going to get three players back in return. Like what happens with them? This is their team. And I don't think it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So you don't see him as a serious contender right now? Serious? No, I think they are like. I believe in Kevin Durant's ability to go out there and play. Devin Booker has shown a lot in these last like three years as a serious, high-level basketball player. Bradley Beal, we'll see. Uh, but so I think that they're going to go out there and they're going to outscore a lot of people and they're going to be really fun to watch. I think that they can win a playoff series. I think they can push a tough playoff series against like. The Warriors, I think they could beat the Warriors. I think like maybe the the Nuggets again. They could probably push it to six, but I don't know if they're a team that has enough to go through the full stretch of a season, the full stretch of hard play nose playoff basketball, and then take whoever beats the East and, and play them again. They certainly won't beat the Bucks or the Celtics coming out. Probably not the Heat. Or the Sixers. <laughs> I mean. Okay, moving into our last segment, we're going to talk about some hypothetical superstar trades or semi-superstar trades, uh, specifically a game of deal or no deal, where if you're the GM of a, of a player's current team, would you deal them um, or not? So we're going to start with Trey Young. Lucas, if you're Atlanta's GM, are you trying to trade Trey right now? And if so, to who? I am absolutely a no deal on this. There is no scenario under which I trade Trey Young at this point. Yes, he did take a bit of a step back this year. His shooting percentage, his three-point percentage, they dropped. But he's still an excellent scorer, one of the better passers in the NBA, and somebody who you can build a team around. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they improved a lot once Quinn Snyder came in as the coach this year. Trey got a lot better. The team flowed a lot better. Say what you will about the Celtics this year, but they made the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Hawks pushed them to six games. They did it, and Trey played very effectively in in parts of the series, too. Plus, he's young. He turns 25 in September, and he still has the potential to maybe not be a top five NBA player, but I think there is a world in which Trey is a top 10 to 15 NBA player and to trade them away before they turn 25 seems to me to be selling out a little early on somebody who could be good. Will he ever be the best player on a championship team? I'm less confident in that, but there is a world in which Trey Young is a very effective piece on a championship team. And I think that to trade him away this early Given his success this early in his career, too, um, is not a good move at all. So, 
Maybe play with some things, tinker for two or three years. If it doesn't work out, then you're kind of stagnated. Then you trade him away. But I think as things stand now, it would be foolish. As Bart might say, asinine to trade <laughs> Trey Young. That's do I say that a lot? So, yeah, Bart, what yeah. would you say? You no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I'm not like a, as resolute as Lucas about absolutely not trading Trey Young, but I agree that I, I would say no deal right now. Uh, and I, I also, my first point was that I'm optimistic about the Quinn Snyder effect. Um, mm. They were actually worse, like record wise, with Snyder than they were with McMillan last year, which I thought was funny. But they were better in the sense that Trey Young and DeJounte Murray looked better under Snyder. And I think to me, the biggest question is what you think about the Trey Young Murray partnership. Because, I mean, I think it's fair to say after one year, they didn't look like a great pairing. Um, mm-hmm. obviously they are both like ball dominant guards. Maybe that's an example, uh, to look at for <laughs> the Lamelo school question, mm-hmm. but I still think, I mean, these guys are still both 20 points per game guys. Like they are both extremely talented. I think they help offset each other's limitations in the playoffs when you need someone to carry you sometimes. Uh, and again, I think Quinn Snyder is a really good coach based on how he was with the jazz. And I am optimistic that with the full off season, uh, that whole team is going to look better. So I would like to run it back and not trade Trey. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay, moving on to Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns, Jared, you trading him or not? We'll also say no deal here. <clears throat> Purely for the fact that you blew up the franchise to try to do this experiment with Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards, that I think it would, at this point it just doesn't make sense. You need to like kind of hold firm. And it seems like that's what the front office wants to do is they're excited to run it back, I guess, next year with hopefully a healthy offseason. Um so we'll see where we'll see what happens there. But even after that, they eventually will have to get rid of him or Rudy Gobert somehow or Anthony Edwards because they're not going to be able to afford all of them basically. Because um, Rudy uh, Rudy Gobert is on a max contract. Carl Anthony Towns' super max extension is about to kick in next year, and then Anthony Edwards is going to get one too. So there's no way they're going to be able to afford everybody. Um, that being said. So because I think because of that future, I think like you just say, all right, this is just what it is. We're going to run it back this year and see what happens. Um, and when Rudy Gobert was saying he's going to take the team to a championship, he can just buy them tickets to the finals. Yeah, he can just Classic. buy them tickets. So yeah, I say no deal here. Yeah. Wyatt, what do you think? I, I say take the deal because you can't do any of the alternatives. There's no way you're going to trade Anthony Edwards, uh, who is really the future of the franchise. Rudy Gobert is borderline untradeable because of his lack of offensive skill set, his poor spacing issues on, on the floor, despite his <clears throat> being a high-level rim protector. And um, also having a big that can match minutes with Jokic and scoring could be valuable for a team out there. Um, so, you know, maybe like a la the Boston Celtics uh, could think that this is valuable. So once we finally make it to the finals – it's not just Al Horford that we can play Carl Anthony Towns and he can match Jokic and kind of guard him a little bit, even though he's not a great defender. Um, but I think, you know, it, like I said, the Celtics, I think this deal really only happens if it's for Jalen Brown, who is a really good defensive wing. He is not proven to yet to be a, a primary ball handler, but he doesn't have to be with Anthony Edwards there. And he is a still pretty talented scorer. So it's not like you necessarily take a huge drop in that situation if you were to add Jalen Brown in there. Um, obviously, you don't just trade it for role piece, pieces out there. You go out and you try to find another star. 
they're going to be handicapped regardless because Anthony Edwards will make some. And I think nobody's going to trade for Rudy Gobert given the new CBA. Uh, so you go ahead and trade for a guy who actually can get you a return. Because if you trade for Rudy Gobert or Rudy Gobert away, it's like, you know, you might just get really crappy players back in return. Yeah. Also, before we move on to the next one, I have breaking news that just popped up. Uh, according to Woj, the, uh, the the deal has fallen apart to send Porzingis to the Celtics. <laughs> no! So the cat deal can happen, oh, you know? And the teams will no longer be pursuing that option. What? The future what is happened? dark. Wizards live Broken in by, by Lucas, not Woj. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, but... Anyway, speaking of Jalen Brown, uh, he's up next. And I'm up first. I think you keep him. He's eligible for a super max. He made second team all NBA. I feel like you have to give it to him. He's not the number one on a great team. We know that. He struggled in game seven against the Heat when Tatum was injured. Um, he's he's not the worst guy to have, though, on a super max. And you already have a good team that has been proven to work. It seems like they're just, you know, a, a few lucky breaks away from winning a title or at least, you know, making the finals again. Um, you know, along with the Bucks, they'll head into next season with probably the the best odds of coming out of the East. They've made four conference finals and one finals in six years. It feels like it's worth continuing along this path, even if it's expensive and even if by the end of it, like Jalen Brown is probably not worth the super max money. Um, but I feel like it's riskier to get rid of him and start anew. And I feel like more importantly, I haven't heard of a lot of trade options here where they get better. You know, I've heard random Dame talk about it, uh, about getting Dame instead. He's 33. I don't I don't think that's the right move. Um, I don't think I'd take the Carl Anthony Towns trade. I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is a winner. Okay, I'm going to side with Jimmy Butler on this. Um, one mock trade that I did kind of like, though, um, or at least was intrigued by, was Jalen Brown for Darius Garland. Um, and that the Cavs currently have two mm. small guards. Jalen Brown would be an upgrade for them on defense for sure. For the Celtics, mm-hmm. it's probably a downgrade, but he's cheaper. So if they're trying to, he's cheaper, younger, more balanced offensively. He's more of a creator than Jalen Brown. So if they're trying to save some money um, and, and add someone else, I feel like that would be a trade that would potentially help out both teams. Um, besides that, though, I, I, I think in general, I'm keeping Jalen for the moment. Yeah. Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree. I think... All of the talk of trading Jalen Brown at this point has been very much overhyped and much an overreaction to the Celtics. I guess you could call it underperformance in playoffs, but I wouldn't even call it that. As you mentioned, they didn't. They made four of the last six Eastern Conference Finals. They made a Finals. Things are working. It doesn't, especially in an Eastern Conference where you know the Bucks are good, the Heat are good, the Sixers are good. The Celtics have maybe a better roster, top to bottom, than any of those teams, and they've just. Things haven't gone their way every year. They ran into the Warriors buzzsaw in the finals last year. That has been one of the most historically dominant franchises. This year, they just kind of fell apart in the conference finals. But I think that roster is so talented. The pieces work well together. And the pieces are so young. Like Both Brown and Tatum are still very young. And I think that going forward, it feels a little premature to me to say, you know what, it can never work. They need to blow it up especially when there's been this level of success. I think, you know, in the last five years, 25 to 26 NBA franchises would 
kill for what like the the Celtics have had. And so I think if things start to fall off and they sort of backslide, then I can see it. But they're maintaining a consistent level of success. This year was weird because Missoula had to come in last minute. Mm -hmm. And so I think give them a full off season, let them work it out with Missoula. And I think things will be even better. So I I think trading Jalen Brown is exceedingly premature here and would be a mistake, especially when there aren't that many good options. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Moving to Portland, we got Dame, uh, Jared, trading him or not? Deal. Trade him. The franchise apparently doesn't really want to trade him, but I think they definitely should. Like, he's a superstar. He actually had a pretty good season last year. He was like pretty efficient, average thirty-two a game. But he's playing less games at this point. Like, I, I think you're kind of kidding yourself if you're Portland and think that like he's going to be the the number one guy and like you can get I don't know like who they think they're going to be able to get by trading the number three pick but it's not gonna be enough whoever they think they can get with that i think so i think you just you just draft use the number three pick to draft somebody and start building your future um and like i said the reports from today are that portland has shut down anybody who has called about damian lillard which i think is really dumb and the last thing i want to see them do is trade away that number three pick thinking they can win now so in terms of the destinations, I do like the Heat destination. Like a trio of Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Bam would be very cool. I think culturally, like Dame is very much a fit there, like fit for the Heat culture and thing. He like he wants to win. He's all about that, not about individual accolades. Um, and I know that Dame has said he wants to play there and play with Bam specifically. So the package would have to include something like Tyler Hero. Kyle, Kyle Lowry maybe Duncan Robinson and then a bunch of picks um, which I think you could do I think that's why I say yeah. Wyatt if a guy like Dame is available I'd rather have him than Bradley Beal who's also a little bit cheaper and owed less money he's only owed money over two more years um, so owed less money overall and apparently wouldn't put them in like the second apron the second tax apron or whatever that's why I think it makes sense if they didn't want to offer anything for Beal and they still can act like a team like you said that shouldn't be doing that should be drafting or going with undrafted guys and Jimmy Butler and Dame and Bam. And that's pretty good, I think. Aiden? Yeah, I'm with you on that, Jared. I feel like it's a bit of a no brainer and so I kind of like it's hard for me to believe that this whole Dame talk is not a bluff. Like I did y'all hear the rumor that they were gonna try to get that the Blazers were gonna try to trade for Bam? <laughs> forget if we talk yeah about I, that. I, I did see that. yeah i just i cannot believe that, like... that they think that the missing piece would that bam would put them over the top um you know as good as dame was at the height of his powers they only made it to the conference finals and he had a fairly worthy sidekick at that point um so i feel like yeah well as you mentioned jared the idea that they could for the number three pick get their missing piece to become a contender is just i feel like laughable so, and again, it's not like Dame has really regressed yet or anything like that, you know? Uh, but it just feels like they could get a haul for him and they'd be really set up for a rebuild because they have good pieces already. I feel like Simons is good. Shaden Sharp showed some promise. You had Scoot into that plus whatever picks you get in a draft haul. And I feel like that's a pretty good setup going forwards for them. Um, so it just, it all, I feel like, makes too much sense. And so I'd be kind of mad. Uh, if they they don't actually follow through here. Oh yeah, me too. And the the thing like the thing with Dame like in terms of him regressing is just games played. Like he's he can't like he yeah. just can't be that guy exactly right staying now. on the floor <laughs> less. Yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is fine for the Heat because they just, exactly it's you know, fine. They for only the play heat. in the playoffs. So, <laughs> yeah, <anyway>. exactly. <laughs> um, 
Okay, we're going to close it out with something we talked about a bit earlier. Zion, Bart, you trading or not trading? E- easiest deal of the day. Why it foreshadowed this earlier, and I, I'm, I'm right there. I'd be ecstatic to get rid of Okay, maybe ecstatic is a little bit strong. <laughs> but yeah, I think the Pelicans can put their faith in Zion at their own peril at this point, just because I, I just don't trust him anymore. I just don't. This, we do this dance where, like, mm-hmm. he supposedly gets healthier and he gets in shape, and then the season starts and he plays a bit, and then he gets injured, and I'm just tired of it. Um, so, you know, I, I saw that tensions are high or they're getting higher between him and the Pelicans. Which is ridiculous because, like, what does he have to be tense about? The fact that they pay him millions when he never plays. It's ridiculous. But I understand why the team would not like him. Uh, I don't care that they sign him to a max extension and it might, like, you know, look bad or whatever. Uh, if anything, that makes his trade value higher because the team that's trading for him knows they lock him in. I think Brandon Ingram's a beast. I would be fine with the Pelicans trading. So, to me, I think either of, like, the first the two, three, and four in the draft are all easy, easy potential candidates for trade options like the hornets obviously they would guarantee that the the pelicans can get scoot uh the blazers we talked about a lot um and then the rockets as well because they also have two first rounders and they have a bunch of young guys that they could potentially ship as well so yeah i'm tired of this in between for the pelicans where they're trying to build around a superstar but he's never reliably there i just say get rid of him why what do you think i think i know what you think i don't think you do (laughs) i if i'm the pelicans i wouldn't do it if oh. I were the Hornets, I would trade for him just to kind of <clears throat> kind of keep my thoughts connected. I don't know if the Pelicans are at that stage yet. I totally agree that I don't like this back and forth of, like, he he will play, he won't play. I don't feel like Zion. Uh, like, he's it's not a health issue. It's a mental issue. Uh, it's a, some sort of confidence barrier. I just think that it would be really tiresome for a franchise that feels like we are so ready to get this going. But if they were trying to make a trade to accelerate their roster's growth, I think it would be Brandon Ingram, who has a ceiling as far as being what I mean. He 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 really has been in like a pseudo best player on a team these last couple of years because Zion really hasn't played that much. Uh, he is a fantastic shot creator. He is a very talented scorer. I'm not going to deny that. But I think that if there's a situation where they want to accelerate the roster's growth. Brennan Ingram has some value for a team who might be adding, looking to add like a second best player or third best player on their roster. Um, third best player might be pretty steep given his money, but like, yeah, I just don't know if I'm at the point yet where Zion is the piece that goes. Cause I think once you trade away Zion, you're basically in the same spot you are right now. I know pieces come back, but what really would, you know, like what, what would re- really happen for Sweet. Zion? Or what would really happen for the Pelicans in the immediate future where if Zion were to play a full season right now, they'd probably make the playoffs. With Scoot Henderson, they probably need to wait two to three more years before like that stuff really pays off. And then at that point, what does this roster really look like? So it's, it's just kind of tough for them right now where they got to hope and pray. And that's, <laughs> that's their entire offseason strategy. Well, I hope and pray that you listen to this podcast every single week. Make sure you are liking, downloading, subscribing to our podcast on all platforms, Spotify, uh, what What's is the it? other one? <laughs> Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. I just use Spotify, so yeah. it's the first one that comes to mind. Follow us on all social media at underscore, and we will see you next week.